Hey, it's Antoinette, and welcome to another episode of the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be sharing with you an interview that I did with Shauna Cohen, who is a certified skincare therapist and the founder of The Clean Beauty School, which is an online destination to learn about skincare, shop the effective clean beauty products, and get personal advice through one-on-one consultations. As a trusted expert, she helps women create holistic skincare plans so they can feel confident both in their skin and with their beauty choices. So let's get right into today's episode. Welcome to the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast, a podcast about female empowerment through menstrual cycle health, the true heartbeat of your hormone status. With each episode, we'll explore the foundations of hormone health with science, soulful, and heartfelt conversations, a dash of sass, and feminine pizzazz. Our dream is to arm you with exactly what you need to be an unstoppable female force, ready to achieve all that your heart desires and embrace your inner goddess. And here's your host, naturopathic doctor, birth doula, fertility awareness educator, hormone enthusiast, and lover of pretty things, Antoinette Falco. She first came on my mind on Instagram in one of her awesome videos where she's talking about clean skincare and beauty products. And being that clean beauty is a major passion of mine, I decided I absolutely need to have her on an episode. So welcome, Shauna, and it's absolutely great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Um, So we'll start off with having you share a little bit about your story and maybe what brought you to working in the clean beauty industry. It was a fairly recent actually, like a lot of people who deal with their own skin issues. Mine was a personal reason why I went into the beauty skincare industry in the first place. When I was in my late twenties, I started experiencing a lot of acne, cystic acne particularly, and you know, not really knowing why or why was it all of a sudden because as a teenager, I didn't really have a lot of, you know, skincare issues. It was in my family, but I, me personally, like my two sisters kind of dealt with it more than I ever did. And so, yeah, in my mid to late twenties, I was kind of like, what is going on? Why is this happening? And of course that leads you down a rabbit hole. And so that's kind of the same reason, same thing like with health, right? And so I really got into, it kind of opened up the world to holistic nutrition, actually. Mm -hmm. And I just started looking at all those bloggers that were coming up, like the Joy McCarthy's and Mm -hmm. uh, Megan Teltner. And those are some, you know, local uh, nutritionists here in Toronto. And really getting into looking at food and, you know, how it affects the body and also just my skincare. So I was a huge like makeup junkie I loved mac you know I've uh, mac (laughs) makeup was like the thing and since I was a teenager in high school I was always using it and so that was probably one of the first things that you know I got rid of but I started looking at the ingredients and thinking like oh there is a reason why maybe maybe it's the products I'm using that are actually causing my acne which was misguided because yes they were definitely not helping but (laughs) something was going on underlying for sure And so that kind of, that brought me down a road to wanting to write more about it. And I started a blog. This was like three blogs, like three iterations of my current blog. And I, you know, started kind of delving into the world of beauty and skincare and realized I really wanted to start teaching about it because I had, I'm a natural I guess, an educator at heart, I really want to, you know, share what I'm learning. And, and I, and I think I have the the right, I, I had the platform to do it. So I didn't want to just be a beauty blogger or influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never good at that. Anyway, I couldn't just go to like a, an event and, 
you know, take a bunch of pictures and, and like that just wasn't me. So I had started actually I started doing some workshops, even though I didn't have any education behind my skincare. I was just sharing what I, I knew about clean beauty and the ingredient list and getting people really interested in and promoting the whole idea that skincare was so much more than the products that were applying on our skin. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that I actually went back to school to become a skincare therapist. So my background is in uh, history, classical. I, I went to school for classics, Greek and Roman history, uh, and Italian language. And I went to grad school for museum studies. And I worked in a museum for 10 years. And uh, through this whole thing, I'm, I decided I wanted to be a skincare therapist. <laughs> yeah, totally different field. Yeah, but. <laughs> totally different. But it's funny how those those skill sets really a lot of them translated right into the stuff I wanted to do because research was such a huge piece of my education yeah. and writing and, and research and that I've translated into the work I do, you know, because I'm not content at just reading one piece of information and taking it for face value. Yeah. You have to approach this industry with a critical eye. And I love that you share the research, like all the research about the products that you talk about, like you really stand by them in terms of using them, but you also stand by them and no, there's actually literature that support this is like good or not good for your skin. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation in both on both sides, clean beauty and not clean beauty. True. So True. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, I, and I want to stand as a translator for both both sides. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I, I love hearing how people got to where they are today and what leads them. Sometimes it's you, things you never expect. So thank you for sharing that. So in today's episode, I want to talk about, I want to talk about clean beauty. I want to talk about, but I also want to talk about more than that. Really come to have this movement happening where consumers are becoming a lot more conscious on what they're buying, what they're putting on their skin, what they're putting in their bodies, and how you know we know a lot of chemicals in some conventional products uh, contain endocrine disruptors, which are not good for hormones. My second question to you, I guess, is hormones are super powerful, and a lot changes in a woman's body during the phases of her menstrual cycle. Can you speak to those changes and how maybe your skin changes also change during the phases of your cycle and then maybe what skincare would look like at each phase? Yeah, this is something that I really got into within the last couple of years and it was a real eye-opener for me. You know, part of my skincare journey, which you know, we might get into is, was hormonal really and that's for a lot of women and that is the focus for me as a practitioner is I work with women who are mainly dealing with hormonal skincare, whether it's through pregnancy or uh, menstrual cycle or other issues. And I have tracked my cycle for a while, even before I was wanting to get pregnant. You know, I was tracking it just as a the thing that you do. If you are interested in it, then you, you know, your doctor says just use an app or whatever and track when your period comes and that's it. And so I didn't really know beyond that. You know, I was using a simple app on my phone and I would just track the days that I had my period and that was it. After pregnancy, uh, my after two pregnancies, uh, my cycle maintained, it's, it continued to be fairly regular, which it, it always has, uh, but I started seeing some shifts, you know, in what was happening and, and I realized that a lot of, there was some correlations between my skin and what was happening throughout the month. So I always, I always knew that, oh, I get a breakout, you know, close to my period, but I didn't really think to look further. And I actually started tracking, okay, this 
time of month, I'm actually, my skin's more oily. You know, this time of month, my skin is, um, I'm more inflamed or I'm more sensitive. And really going further from just these are the dates of my period to, Mm -hmm. or, you know, this is when I'm fertile to actually looking at my skin and how it relates to the menstrual cycle. And this really got me into learning about the four, like, well, three or four phases or depending on how you want to cat characterize it or two phases, but the phases of the menstrual cycle. Wow. That was such an eye opener for me. Like who actually knows about that if you're not into this stuff, right? Um, Most women I, I talk to, they have no idea that, you know, there, it's not just one cycle. You have many different sections of that cycle and your hormones change a whole lot throughout that cycle. Well, there's three things going on, right? Within that 28 plus or whatever your, your whole cycle length is, you know, you have your, you have the ovulatory cycle and you have like the uterine lining cycle and then you have the hormonal cycle and they kind of all overlap with each other. But yeah, this stuff is not really taught. Definitely not by conventional doctors and definitely not as well as it should be in schools. So definitely understandable while a lot of women don't know this information. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I mean, fortunately, I guess for me, fortunately for understanding this, I was never on the the hormonal birth pill. So I, I didn't have to figure out very normal cycle to try to understand what was happening, which gave me some more clues as to what other women might be dealing with. But yeah, the four, I go by four phases just because it's fairly easy from a skincare perspective to, so follicular phase, which would be your kind of the week after your, your period, there's often this time of the month when people are like, my skin is the best I've ever, you know, it's ever been, it's glowing, it looks great. I'm ready for, you know, take on the world. And it's like a couple days and then you're like, oh, it goes back to <laughs> what you're used to. And it wasn't until I really like looked at the cycle, I was like, oh, that's because, you know, estrogen is on the rise. It's making your skin really glowy and plump and collagen is, you know, producing and all of these wonderful things that estrogen does to your skin. That's the, the week or week and a half, two weeks after your period that's like happening. And that is the, the phase when women really should be focusing on, you know, if you want to try a new product, test out some more active ingredients, that's the time to do it because you know your skin is at, um, your hormones are more balanced, I guess. Maybe that's the wrong way to explain it, but it was just, you don't have some of those other factors involved and you know that if it's going to if your skin is going to react to a product, there's a less likely chance that it's going to be a hormonal problem, you know, causing you to break out versus the, the product that you're using. So that is a really good time to, to try new active ingredients, um, play around with your skincare, and appreciate that really glowy skin that you're going to have. Moving into ovulation, this is kind of your, prepare, you're preparing your skin for the inevitable which is, you know, you're, you know, coming up to the second half of your, your cycle where your skin is going to be maybe at its um, least best, <laughs> the, the worst, I guess that's how you say it. <laughs> uh, also knows as least best. And during ovulation around that time, think about getting a facial. Uh, so clearing out the pores, helping it out, making sure you have a nice, good exfoliation to anticipate some of those changes that's going to happen in the second phase. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of like your, your spring cleaning, your deep cleaning, mm-hmm. start using maybe even some uh, glycolic acid, lactic acid at home, some um, at home alpha hydroxy acids just to help prep the skin. And because of the second half, 
of the phase or the cycle, that is when things start to look um, worse if you are prone to those breakouts. And mm -hmm. so when testosterone starts to rise and progesterone starts to rise, the progesterone, you know, will have an effect on the the pores and the uh, the swelling of the skin, and they kind of get a little tighter and more swollen, and oil production increases. And that's kind of that uh, perfect storm of um, when you start seeing some of those cystic breakouts on your chin or breakouts in other places, mostly usually on your chin and jawline. And so the cycle syncing method, cycle syncing skincare method of what I've started getting into is really anticipating some of these hormonal changes so that you can adapt your skincare to try to prevent or at least control some of these unwanted skincare um, issues. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. There, there's a lot of conversation about, oh, morning skincare, evening skincare, but we don't take that further to even talking about the cycle. And yeah, I can totally see like you have a woman who maybe has an excess amount of androgens and then, you know, that luteal phase is going to have a lot more, a lot more of that, like really cystic acne um, exactly. and breakouts. I love this idea of being cyclical with your skincare. I mean, I think it's, it's a con concept that needs to be talked about more because like hormones are, they're awesome. Um, but, uh, they can also, they're just as much as they're awesome. They can also be not awesome <laughs> and less <laughs> ideal. I kind of like a, an intuitive skincare approach, which I'm trying yeah. to teach women, you know, yeah. is really don't leave it to an expert to tell you exactly what you need. You know, yeah. of course, I'm here to help you set up a plan and a routine and to guide you and answer questions, but you're the one dealing with your skin every day and you have to learn how, what it needs. Just like, mm -hmm. you know, intuitive eating approach is, you know, learning what your body needs. The more you track, the more you pay attention, the more you can understand what your skin actually needs. So for example, during the luteal phase, my skin gets a lot more oily and I didn't really understand this until I started paying attention. And for the most time, for the most of the month, I say don't cleanse twice a day. For most people, you don't need to. Uh, mm -hmm. It can overwash your skin. For me, I cleanse twice a day during this week before my period because my skin is actually needs it, is more mm -hmm. oily. So it's kind of like knowing what to do, when to do it. And then during my period, during my menstrual phase, my skin is a lot more dry. And, you know, so I know avoid the acids, don't go get any waxing done because your skin's way more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And there's just certain things that you understand um, your skin needs. Mm -hmm. Well, this would fit perfectly with menstrual cycle charting and fertility awareness method, because you could just be charting that in with all the other biomarkers that you're charting. <laughs> so I love it that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I had created, I created this actual charts because it wasn't really, it didn't exist because there were, yes, all these fertility charts and everything, but yeah. there's really no skin charts that, yeah. um, so I've created a skincare tracker where you can, uh, list, you know, chart the days of your cycle and how it yeah. corresponds with the phases and there's symptoms that you check mark every day to, to track how your skin is doing throughout those, those phases. Yeah. Amazing. We'll have to get that to all the listeners. Yeah, the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can link the, where you download it. So as a skin care therapist, I'm, I'm sure you talk to women about more than just topical, topical products. What would you say are some of your top three tips for women when it comes to taking care of their skin? Number one, is especially as we're coming into the winter time a humidifier is like okay. a, such an easy thing to do in your home 
because I will have clients who will be like, you know, I've tried everything. My moisturizer, I've upped my moisturizer. I'm using the facial oil. I'm applying all of this, these products on my skin, but I just cannot. My skin is still feeling really dry, especially mm-hmm. in the winter time. And a humidifier is one of those things, a cool mist humidifier, or you can use a warm mist as well. But just upping the humidity levels in your home can make a huge difference on how your skin feels and the, um, the dryness level. Because naturally, you know, the air in the home is a lot drier in the winter because of the um, central heating. Mm-hmm. And then also outside, it's, it can get dry as well. So that is a really good little tip just to keep, keep it running all day long because I've, I've done the trick where I've tested the humidity levels in my home during the day if I keep my humidifier off and it goes down by like 10, 15%, 20%. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I keep the humidifier on, the home is usually around 40, 40, 50% humidity, which is maybe a little moist, but it's good, it's good. <laughs> for the skin. Okay. Yeah. So that's number one. Um, the other one would be blood flow. So the, <laughs> blood flow, that can mean a lot of things. <laughs> Instead of, okay, so if we're not thinking, apart from topical products, increasing circulation in the skin is such a good thing in general for skin health. Mm-hmm. So... There are a lot of tools out there that you can use, jade rollers, gua sha, facial cupping, all of these things, but you can just use your good old hands. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you get older, blood flow to your skin decreases like everything else and circulation slows down and it's just blood flow is what's keeping your skin healthy. It's increasing the nutrients and oxygen. It's going to be promoting uh, tissue health and wound healing. So just increasing circulation in general is a good thing for skin health if you're not prone to rosacea and inflamed acne. But even actually for rosacea, there are arguments saying that a little facial massage and stimulating can deflect from stagnant blood pooling in say, mm. certain areas. So even that can really help a lot of skin conditions. So I think facial massage is something that everyone should be incorporating into their skincare routine mm. at night. Um, it's a good thing to to do as long as you don't have a lot of inflamed uh, acne, and it's great for anti aging. It's great for a lot of reasons. So yeah, that would be my second tip. Mm-hmm. And third tip is uh, releasing tension. So this kind of goes with the facial massage as well. But we we hold so much tension in the the face, and the, not only for stress relief, but also for this. If you are concerned about wrinkles and fine lines, holding a lot of tension in the face will just contract those muscles and, you know, hold certain lines in place. So getting into the habit of this again goes to the facial massage, but just getting to the habit of releasing that a good thing at nighttime, you know, either whether it's through a jade roller or just through your hands and, and uh, we hold so much tension in our foreheads and I clench my jaw. So there's yeah. so much tension there. That is kind of uh, my third tip in terms of what to talk about, because I mean, everybody talks about water and water. Yes. Always good. I mean, everybody should drink water. <laughs> when I hear that, when people be like, what's your top tip for skin health? I'm like, they're like, drink water. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't really help me because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're I like, I'm drink. already doing that. Or, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So those would be my top three. Yeah. Those were awesome tips. And I love that you took it a little bit deeper and, and explained a little bit more because we do hear about, you know, like using a jade roller that gets talked about everywhere, but actually explaining why it's good and how important it is. I, that, I appreciate that. So thank you. We've been talking about you know, hormonal acne, uh, being common in conditions such as, you know, PCOS, estrogen dominant, adrenal dysfunction, endometriosis. 
So I just want to know, like, what's been your experience, uh, whether through your personal experience or working with women about how these underlying conditions, you know, they're the root cause of their skin issues. Um, but of course, like they're not, you know, they, they're coming to you maybe saying like, it's my skin. It can be very emotional, particularly for women. Yeah. If you had any stories to share, I'd I'd love to hear them. The interesting thing. So I, I can share my, my personal story which is, I think I had two phases. I, I did have two separate instances of when cystic acne was an issue for me. So it was, you know, beginning when I was in my early, mid to late 20s, which I still don't quite know what was happening there. It, uh, but, and then again, maybe in my late 20s, just before I got pregnant, there was another bout of that. And that was when um, stress was kind of dominating my life. <laughs> and... Uh, estrogen dominance was definitely an issue for me. I had terrible, now looking back, I understand what was really going on. Mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't quite understand. Somebody was just telling me, oh, you have estrogen dominance. Uh, But at the time it was, um, you know, I had the worst, most painful periods, so much tenderness, you know, breast tenderness and Mm -hmm. just like awful cramping, just cramping, all of the symptoms that would indicate that estrogen dominance might be an issue. Anyway, so the cystic acne was definitely happening at this time as well. And I remember looking in the mirror and just, you know, at night and, you know, another breakout would come up and just another one, nothing was working. And you just, I get so depressed. You just like, you know, looking like, why is this happening? What is going on? Like, I just cannot, um, you just can't get around it, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think, I didn't really have the tools in place to help me emotionally to get around it. Fortunately, supplement, you know, I was working with a naturopath and supplements really helped probably bring me out of, from the, um, the, the root cause. And then topically I was able to, to treat my breakouts as well. But I guess recently I had an, um, I've also been having some hormonal fluctuations, I guess, postpartum and I have the tools now. So when, you know, the cystic breakouts just keep coming. And I'm just like, why? You know, I'm a skincare therapist. I should know all of the answers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm using all of my tools and tricks, which have been helping, but they still, you know, pop up. Mm-hmm. Now, just looking at it being like, okay, I look at it very rationally. And I look at it as like, okay, this is not me for one. Like, this is not like, my skin is not, doesn't define me as much yeah. as like, yeah, sure. It's, I, I have to uh, be on a camera every day or I, you know, I'm talking to clients and sure it's, but it doesn't define me, but also I, I'm so much more aware of why it's happening and that really helps me get through it. So knowing mm-hmm. like this is a hormonal issue, uh, you know, I can track my menstrual cycle and know like for me personally, what's happening right now is like, you know, it's happening at a certain time of the month. I know that there is some imbalances happening and just, I guess, understanding that you can get through it. It's mm-hmm. not, and that really has helped knowing that, no, there's an answer to this. It's not just like a forever thing. Mm-hmm. And working through it that way has helped helped emotionally. And to get, to answer your question about, you know, my other clients' stories, it's an interesting thing is because most of my clients actually don't understand or they don't haven't been diagnosed with anything or understand what's happening internally when they come to me. So mm-hmm. I, I'm like the, a lot of times I'm the 
first line of um, first responder, I guess, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a a unique role to be in. Skin is such an outwardly facing thing. And so I think people, that's the first thing they, they think is, okay, I'm dealing with cystic acne or I'm dealing with X or Y skincare issue. And so I'm going to talk to a skincare therapist. Obviously that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Right. And so fortunately I understand I have a, you know, important role to really educate these women on it's so much more than topical products. And I'm here. Yes, I will help you topically and I will help you give you lifestyle habits and give you the tools you need to, to work through it. But I'm also going to, you know, direct you to a naturopathic doctor or nutritionist because there's definitely more going on. And so you can get to the root cause, which is so important as well. I have to come full circle with a lot of my clients to see their full journey, Mm -hmm. but it is interesting that I often get, um, I see them before they actually uh, get diagnosed with, you know, certain conditions. Mm -hmm. I think that goes back to just how skincare is looked at in Western medicine or you know, it's very allopathic. It's, it's like you have an issue with your skin, you're expecting to go to, you know, your doctor or a dermatologist, and they're going to give you a topical cream that's going to make it all go away, which we know obviously that that's not how it works. And it's more complicated. And, you know, skin is our biggest organ. It's such a reflection of what's going on in our bodies. So yeah, I, I can totally see how you would be you would be the first one to, to tell someone, Hey, maybe there's something else going on. Like, um, and you know, it's, it's creating that skincare intuition that you talked about that you talked so beautifully about that I think is (laughs) the first step of, for a lot of women. And it's a, it's a good skill to have. No. And I would be doing a disservice, I think to my clients, if I was just going to be like, Hey, let's just slap a product on there and you're done for the day, you know? And maybe that's how I started out you know, before I really got into practicing as a holistic skincare therapist. But uh, yeah, now for sure, there's so, you know, I make sure that women know there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, all the facials I ever had, that was, that was my experience. And if it's going to be anything outside of the topical products, it's usually like drink more water, pour yeah. sunscreen, yeah. get regular facials. <laughs> yeah, <You're exactly>. like, <laughs> yeah. Keep keep giving me your money. <laughs> keep coming to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is a good segue to, you know, there's a lot of information out there about clean organic skincare products and it can be extremely overwhelming. Is there a central place that women can go to know if their product is in fact clean or organic? Like, like what are the, are there any regulations around that? Yeah. Anything you can share around that? Yeah, this is definitely a tricky place. Uh, So there aren't any, there are a variety of regulating bodies for organic products, but there's not one overarching Mm. place, right? So you can get quote unquote uh, organic certified, or you can get different certifications like you know, leafing buddies, bunny certified and mm-hmm. all these things, but it's all um, very individual. So there are places like the environmental working group, the skin deep database mm-hmm. that are helpful. I'm going to, I'm going to put a caveat on these. There's a think dirty app. There is a, what's the other one I'm thinking of the David Suzuki foundation talks a lot about the dirty dozen mm-hmm. ingredients for your skincare. The caveat I have on these is you have to take these with a grain of salt too. So with anything, they can't be, it's not like a blanket central place where it'd be like, 
you know, the EWG is saying that this product is rated a six or seven, so that means it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not as uh, cut and dry as that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you really have to read through the information, and you have to know that they they use a lot of studies, but. The, <laughs> Like I'll take, for example, uh, retinol palmitate, which is a a form of vitamin A, Mm -hmm. and it's often found in um, a lot of sunscreens. And so the EWG has rated it at like a six or seven, which is a bad rating in -hmm. their mind. So it's like a red. And so you would think, okay, I got to, I have to avoid all, you know, retinol because um, they're saying that this is bad, that it can cause cancerous tumors. Now reading, you know, further, you understand that the only reason they're saying this is because when it's in sunscreen, when you're applying it on the skin and you're in the sun, mm. then that could cause a tumor. Um, well, they, they tested it on mice and they found that when the mice were subject to four hours of sunlight after using it, they were more uh, inclined to having skin tumors. There's a lot of caveats. The mice are more prone to skin, you know, skin tumors in general. You're not going to be applying that much product on your skin and going out in the sun but even if you in general if you have a retinal palmitate say in a skincare at night then you may not even have that issue so Mm -hmm. there's (laughs) there's just a lot of things you have to consider and I understand that so this isn't answering your question in a good way uh, or making people's uh, life easier what I wanted to say about that though is getting behind people that you trust that can help Mm -hmm translate these things is definitely a good thing to do Mm -hmm. um you know finding those people that um talk openly and are transparent about the clean beauty industry is helpful and don't give in to fear mongering so i think initially when clean beauty natural beauty green beauty the number of terms that it's Mm -hmm. come through when it first arrived on the, the you know became popular fear mongering was a huge thing you know, and saying like, skincare is full of chemicals, it's going to cause cancer, or everything that you apply in your skin is going to be absorbed right into your body. That's not actually true. <laughs> and, you know, I think the, the industry is starting to dissect these. A lot of companies are distancing themselves from these claims that we were initially put out there. But it's good to know that Don't be afraid of products. Your skin is really good at preventing things from absorbing it. So, you know, if you didn't have a good skin barrier, you'd be absorbing all of the water after shower. You'd be, you know, nothing, like everything is just, your skin is uh, quite permutable. And it actually takes a really small molecular size for products or ingredients to actually absorb into the skin. That's why you know, if it is a very small molecular size, it actually has to be deemed a um, pharmaceutical because there needs to be regulations in place. There are, um, and a lot of active ingredients in your skincare, they don't really go beyond the top layers of your skin. We always think that everything we're applying, all the active ingredients are gonna do us so much good because they're gonna be deeply absorbed. A lot of times they sit right on the surface. That said, there are, there definitely are ingredients that will be absorbed into the skin, like phthalates, like mm-hmm. parabens, endocrine, these endocrine disruptors that we definitely know do mm-hmm. actually contribute to some of these hormonal issues that women are dealing with. So it's a balance. I mean, I know mm-hmm. I didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, you created awareness around it, you know, and, yeah. and 
I think where the trick comes is, is like you said, have someone who's going to help you dissect that information. Okay. So now we know there's research saying parabens are not good. So then you've got companies putting on their, on their marketing, like this does not contain parabens. And so you as a consumer are like, great, they've already done the work to check that, that that's not in it. But we know that parabens parabens can go by different names on the actual ingredients list. So you're like, well, what are these other things that I also can't pronounce? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, they might not be parabens, but they might be, you know, phthalates or, right. or on other ingredients that I can't have. So I think you definitely shed awareness on how you have to be critical as a consumer yeah. buying products in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in shopping at places that you trust, yeah. that you know, you know, they, they actually do look at the ingredient lists using brands that they can be transparent with you. You can actually ask them questions, yeah. you know, and, and that goes all to like, shopping locally or whatever sustainably yeah yeah be friends with, it's like be friends with your farmer be friends with your <laughs> local skincare producer you know <laughs> okay so now like what information would you give women in in terms of how to go about choosing their skincare their skincare products i know you mentioned like locally i guess to take that a step further you know cost is such a big factor here like yeah, the local made in Toronto skincare company that, you know, might be like four or five times as expensive as like something that's like not natural. Or there are some companies like The Ordinary that talk about keeping their costs really low and it's very basic ingredients. Like how do you navigate, I guess, the cost within this industry and helping women use that to then decide what products are right for them mm-hmm. or that they should buy? Yeah, there are a lot of factors in affect cost of skincare. It goes all the way from packaging, boxes, to bottles, to definitely the ingredients within them and branding. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's probably pretty clear, you know, if you're buying the $200, like the $200 moisturizer, Yeah, I hope most people know that that's branding. <laughs> uh, like, I don't think people do. Maybe, maybe people don't. Maybe people don't. But with skincare, it's like, yes, the... Quality ingredients do cost more, for sure. A, a skincare company can make a cheaper product by doing a few things. They can, economies of scale, they can uh, have very simple packaging and use the same bottle for every product like The Ordinary does. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ordinary all come in the same size bottle, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to have the same size bottle for all of your products and just order a whole ton of those than sourcing out airless pumps and opaque you know, bottles and very unique packaging, which does contribute to the experience of skincare. You know, mm-hmm. skincare is more than just topicals. It's, it is an experience, right, for yeah. some. If you don't care about that, you can just go to the bulk store and buy, you know, pump your shampoo in a mason jar, and that's fine too. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people like this experience of skincare. So that contributes to it for sure. The other thing is ingredients. So a oil can be significantly different whether you um, whether it's refined or whether it's cold pressed pure sourced from a sustainable place so you know the coconut so this is a bad example because i don't like coconut oil in skincare products but me too um, it's terrible don't do it my skin hates it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you have a refined oil it's scentless all of the quote-unquote nutritional value has been stripped mm. just like food um and it's going to cost a lot less than whether if you have that cold pressed um, argan oil from your co-op in Morocco, you know, where, you know, it's from sustainable, the women who are making it 
have decent living and wages and you know that oil is is fully stable and pure and you know fresh and all that stuff so uh that plays into it and i don't think we think too much about our skincare like food but you you sometimes want to start thinking about it that way especially when you're getting into more like oils and um that sort of uh those ingredients i think about it as like and this goes along with kind of how we're thinking about the clean beauty natural beauty getting back to the last question is that Mm -hmm. i always think about it like empty calories versus whole foods you Mm -hmm. know and so whether it's uh chemical free or not isn't so much an issue as you know is this going to be uh nutritious for my skin am am i going to get something out of it you know a mineral oil can be slathered on the skin it's very cheap to use it's a a great occlusive ingredient that will prevent moisture loss but is it going to help uh, nourish the skin cells and make them a little bit stronger and enrich it with fatty acids and help you know, brighten and you know all the things that uh, fatty acid-rich botanical oils can do. Probably not. So you know, these sort of things you you do want to think about when you're using skincare. And the other thing you want to look at is for in cost is where's the active ingredient. So if it's saying you're if you're saying I'm buying a a vitamin C serum, what percentage is it? You know, you need to know these kind of facts and maybe it comes down to talking to the company itself, but if it's not labeled on the package, but it's like, if I'm buying a vitamin C serum, I want it to be 20%, 15, 20%. I want it, the vitamin C to be, you know, one of the first four, five ingredients in the mm-hmm. product, you know, not like the very last ingredient. Because, Just a drop of it in the whole yeah. bottle. <laughs> so like, if it's not in the top few ingredients in your product, most likely the percentage is very low. Because if you don't, you know, I'm not sure how everyone's familiar with ingredient lists, but the ingredients, the most um, concentrations of ingredients are on the, t- the top. And then the bottom are usually preservatives and the lowest concentration of ingredients. Mm-hmm. So these are the things you have to think about. Yeah. And to know, are you getting fairy dust um, or are you getting a real product? <laughs> Again, I don't think a lot of people know the way the concentrations are listed on the ingredients of a product. So that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. One caveat to that, sorry, I should say is um, specific ingredients. You you just have to also know the the right concentration of the product or the ingredient that you want because sometimes, and very yeah. few, you don't want like at the highest concentration of like a retinol because really like, you know, the maximum ret- concentration is 1%. So it, these are, <laughs> you do have to know a little bit, but yes, in yeah, general. In, in terms of the specifics, good, yeah. Yeah. Skincare regimes. I know... You know, personally, I'm that skincare minimalist. I like to have like one or two products and that's it. But I know people who are like, no, no, I need this and this and this and this. So with keeping in mind that I'm sure there's a fine balance, like in your opinion, what is a good skincare? Like what are the products women should use? What are the ones that they can skip? Like, is it independent? Like, what would you say on that topic? Yeah, the number one product that everyone should be using is probably a is a moisturizer for sure. <laughs> so I know most people are probably using one anyway, but I do come across people who don't moisturize or, you know, or maybe, maybe they'll skip time. it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, or the, maybe they'll skip it, you know, one time morning or, or night. A lot of people dealing with acne or more oily prone skin. I get that they do moisturizers are scary because they think um, it's going to contribute to breakouts mm-hmm. at the very least you know, an oil could be used in a, uh, in replace of a moisturizer, but just having that 
the skin needs to be replenished and and we live in this you know a colder climate most times of the year that require us to be protecting the skin so that is like a number one thing that just make sure your skin is protected and that mm-hmm. is applying the topical product that will will lock in moisture but also impart some as well the other factor would be just cleansers or something that you don't necessarily need to spend a lot of money on mm-hmm. i think that would be something everybody should cleanse their skin yes i think it's important I don't think you should be cleansing twice a day necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't actually need to be. And that's the number one thing I make a switch in a lot of people's routines is to just have them cleanse at night. And a cleanser doesn't need to be expensive, but because it doesn't stay in your skin for very long, mm-hmm. but it could also do the most damage if it's too drying. Mm. So just making sure that it's a really uh, non-drying cleanser that, usually avoiding sodium sodium lauryl sulfate or sulfates in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, if your skin feels tight after cleansing, then it's probably, it's a, you know, too drying for your skin. So a lot of people are using like foaming and gel cleansers and most people are probably good with just more of a creamy oil cleanser. So yeah, that doesn't, and then toners are kind of one of those things where it's like, eh, you, you don't have to use it, you know? So I guess we're coming up to like, Cleanser, moisturizer, those are your two basics for sure. For sure. Sweet. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> Toner is like, it's a really nice thing to have. Uh, skincare brands, you, like they used to make toners so that the every product in a skincare line would have a different pH. And, mm-hmm. and then the toner would balance your pH. Or like sometimes cleansers can change your pH. Most of them are really pH balanced now, so you don't really have to worry about it. So toner in this new world that we're living in is there more for hydration or um, clarifying. So depending on your need, if you want, you know, I like it. I like toners as a added hydration, especially if you're not cleansing in the morning. So they can just really like prep the skin to absorb more moisture. But yeah, ultimately not necessary. Okay. Uh, as long as your moisturizer is occlusive enough and is like protecting your skin enough, then yeah, we can get into all things about layering oh, yeah. and serums and oils, but like, yeah, at the basic at the moisturizer. Basic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's say you're talking to a client who, you know, they've given you their skincare regime and you're just, you know, oh boy, everything is, <laughs> is what EWG would say is a no-no. Um, and you know, they maybe have gone to see someone like, like me, who's told them like, really have to work on detoxing your life. And that would be where I'd start. And so what's your advice for how people can like make that transition? Cause yeah, I, I'm definitely not an advocate for just tossing everything. Yeah. It is a wasteful way to do it for sure. And it is overwhelming. And skin actually does better when you transition slowly. So uh, I would say start with anything that you're putting around your mouth because that is a sure way to get it in your body. (laughs) Uh, You know, if it can't get through your skin, which is a pretty good defense, your mouth is certainly, that's a direct way into your body. So lip lip care is like such a basic easy one and there's so many amazing lip products out there you know when we when I started out in this a dusty rose off of like a shelf at Noah's was like your only option you know? 
<laughs> it had like a shimmer. It always had like a that that rose gold shimmer in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't want a sparkly. Um, yeah. This is not for every day. Yeah. yeah. It was always like or there was like a rusty red. Yeah. Yeah. Not great options. Thankfully, if you're a lipstick aficionado as I am, <laughs> there are tons of options out there that you can use that are using great products, uh, great ingredients that uh, you don't have to worry about. What's Just your be favorite aware. lipstick? Oh, uh, I love Ficlo. I love yeah. Delish. I love Ilya. I love... Okay, you just love them all. Yeah. <laughs> There's so pretty, many of them. Yeah. <laughs> is pretty awesome. Like they're, yeah. um, it's like, I love that it's hydrating and like, mm-hmm. yeah, brings more blood flow. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no worries. No worries. Yeah, I can go on that. Um, the other one is, um, well, this isn't a skincare product, like toothpaste. Okay. <laughs> That's another one. Like those are, those are like anything that goes around the mouth, kind of just look at the ingredients, make sure that you're using a really good clean version. Um, the other thing is uh, perfume. So perfume is one of those very uh, typical products that generally contain phthalates. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very common fragrance, does often contain these endocrine disrupting um, c- chemicals. So that is, you know, looking at significantly reducing your favorite perfume to once in a while or just cutting it out in general and replacing Mm -hmm. it with like a you know maybe an essential oil version or something Um, as long as you're not sensitive to essential oils because that's a whole nother ball game but Mm -hmm. um, yeah that would be definitely one too Um, and then you know when I'm looking at skincare and uh, the ingredients really I'm also looking not only like the avoiding phthalates and parabens and, and certain things like that, but also um, like take out anything that has alcohol. You know, if you can't, if I if I can't dissuade you in any other thing about products might uh, affect your hormones, let me you know persuade you in the fact that your you know your products contain alcohol, which is so drying for your skin that could mm-hmm. lead to anti aging and irritations, and you know it's just not it's if you're feeling dry, take out the alcohol kind of thing. So that's an easier way to approach it. I find, um, is to like go at it in a different way. It's like, okay, let's take out the alcohol. Let's take out anything that has sodium lauryl sulfate. Let's take out, um, anything that has like a mineral oil or certain ingredients that just aren't helping the skin. And I find it's a more practical approach than being like, okay, you have to stop using this product because it contains this random chemical that you've never heard of and that you're not even convinced it's affecting your health. You know what I mean? So I find that's an, an easier way to, to go about it. I also love that you, you know, you remind us that our skin does have those barrier layers that protect us from external everything. I mean, then like we would absorb so much just from the air when we go in places that are very polluted, right? So that makes a lot of sense. Definitely starting with lip products as, you know, yeah, you can actually eat the product um, and ingest it orally, which is completely different than like it may be getting through your skin. You're a skincare therapist. We're living in a world where everything's happening virtually. Tell me what a consult with you looks like nowadays. Yeah. In this new world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully, I guess I was doing this before this all worked. So I kind of had the infrastructure in place. So that was helpful. But when someone books an appointment, I have a little bit of a survey that they tell me their main skincare concerns, what they want to talk about, and the current products that they're using so mm-hmm. and how they use it in their routine, which is really important to me. So not only the products, but what are you using AM, PM and in what order? Mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of like a good starting place for me where I look through before our appointment, I look through all the ingredients. I look through, you know, what the product is. Thankfully now being in it for a while, I'm familiar with a lot of brands, but some of, some of them I've never like used or heard of. So mm-hmm. I have to do a little bit more in-depth research on what's going on there. And when we have our, we have a video call on zoom mm-hmm. and it's a 30 minute call and you know, it's not as good as seeing or touching. I'm not, I'm not, t- I, mean, I, won't, I wouldn't touch someone's face in person, but if I had, if I was doing a facial, I would, but um, there is, yes, there is definitely a difference between seeing someone up close mm-hmm. and you kind of, you get familiar with what skin looks like after doing this for so long and you do understand maybe more of what they need, but a video is still good. And, you know, if I need more photos can also be a little bit in more detail to really get the sense of what's happening on the skin. Mm -hmm. And, and then we talk it through, we talk through, you know, everything they've written down, but just working through their uh, routine and in the way that they uh, maybe some tweaks they can do the products that they might want to um, look into that will be better for them to achieve their skincare goals. And then also looking at those lifestyle habits and changes, you know, do you start, maybe you you want to start tracking your, your menstrual cycle, you know, Mm -hmm. and I give them the tools to do that and really just setting them up with a plan so that they can, get going on, on achieving those skin goals. Yeah. I mean, there's so much involved in skin that I, I can definitely see how, you know, you're teaching skin intuition and a lot of that's going to be like, okay, tell me what you're seeing of your own skin. Right. So that does work very well online. Excellent. And how can listeners learn more about you or connect with you if they want to work together? Yeah. So you can find me at cleanbeautyschool.com. That's my website where you can book an appointment. You can also find me on Instagram. I am very active on there. Lately, I've been getting into the video reels, all that stuff. They're so, so fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. I am thoroughly enjoying that. So you can, um, hopefully you'll get kind of uh, a good view of all the stuff I'm talking about on my Instagram, Clean Beauty School. Uh, you can email me or the easiest, a lot of people love just a DM which is totally fine with me too. And I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone has. Well, I love, you know, the videos that you do where you actually like dive deeper on some of the products and what's in them and the research around them. Like, I love that. And, you know, I learn things. So I'm just, yeah, I encourage listeners to, to do that. I'm going deep on the ordinary lately and, uh, and then some facial massage techniques and that sort of stuff. So yeah. 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 That's awesome. And it's stuff people can do at home. All right, Shauna, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing all your knowledge. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of all future episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for all guest details and your free downloadable goodies. Your feedback is important to me, so please, please leave a review so women can find and be empowered by this knowledge. If you have a topic you'd like to see discussed on the show or have a recommendation for guests you'd like to see interviewed, please get in touch by emailing the Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>